morning we're going to continue our study in the book of Acts. Uh, this morning we're going to cover really a whole slug of verses, a reading of the first recorded Gentile convert to Christ, the story of the Ethiopian eunuch uh, recorded in Acts chapter 8. As we begin, again, it's a large set of verses. I'm going to ask if you would stand in prayer as we begin our service this morning. I'm going to ask if you would join me in prayer. Let's go to the Lord. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for this day. We're thankful for a hope that endures today, for a peace that is settled in Christ today. We're thankful for the truth of your word. And Lord, I pray now that you would speak to us. I pray that you would lead us, that you would direct us. I pray that right now the, the cares and the concerns and the distractions of the world will be set aside. And I pray that you're living an active word would, would have an impact in us and on us today. Lord, teach your people. Train your people. Lord, I pray for some that may be here that do not know you. I, I pray that in this hour, in the, the, this preaching of Christ, the revelation of our Savior, that today might be the day of their salvation. And Lord, I pray that in every piece of it, you're honored. You're lifted up and you're glorified. We praise you and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. Again, today, this is a long set of verses, so I'm going to read the entire account. I'm going to read the entire set of verses, and then I'm going to come back and pull out five pieces or five points of consideration for us today. So again, we'll go through the entire set of verses, and then we'll come back and pull out five points of consideration. They are verses are found in Acts chapter 8, verses 25 through 40. Acts chapter 8, verses 25 through 40. I'm going to ask that you would listen as I read. If you have your Bible, that you would follow along as we move through the verses. Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 25. God's Word says this. So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation, for his life is removed from the earth? The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? 
And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Astus, and as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Right, that's our account today. That's our biblical record today. And again, I'm going to pull out five points for us to consider. Now, really, there's a lot more that we could look at. In fact, as I move through those verses, there's, there's really more that we could look at in several weeks. But I'm going to pull out these five points to consider. And I believe all of them are important for us today. I believe all of them are necessary for us to understand as we look at this account today. So we're going to see these five points. The first is this. The first thing we see in this account is that we would, should be sure of the charge of the church. We're going to see first the charge of the church. Now I want you to remember the, the context here. Persecution has, has broken out against the church. They are preaching the good news of the gospel. They're preaching Jesus the Nazarene as the Messiah. And because of that, persecution has broken out against the church. Peter and John have been threatened. Peter and John have been placed in jail. Stephen has been stoned. And in the response to this persecution, the believers are dispersed. Uh, the Christian diaspora, the Christian scattering, they are forced out of Jerusalem because of the intense persecution. Well, the Bible says as they go, they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I think that's an amazing thing. I think that's an important thing. I think that reveals their heart's conviction. As they go, as they're leaving, scattered, they are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so remember, instead of stifling the movement, isn't that what you'd expect? Instead of stopping the movement, my lands are killing us. Instead of stopping the movement, it has sped the movement. And what a tremendous thing that is. You know, we think, well, it will stall out with this persecution. But instead, it has sped the movement. Well, in our verses today, we see the commission to the church in Acts chapter 1 has now become the charge of the church in Acts chapter 8. And that's a huge thing. The commission that was given to the church in Acts chapter 1 now has become the charge of the church in Acts chapter 8. Now, notice this. At the start of our section of verses today, verse 25. So when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. That is at the start of our section of verses. Now, let me take you to verse 40, the end of our section of verses. But Philip found himself at Astus, and as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel. He kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Now, bookended in this account is the preaching of the gospel. 
They go, and as they return, they're preaching the gospel. At the end of the account, as he goes, he is preaching the gospel. Now, the phrase here for preaching the gospel in, verse, in both verse 25 and verse 40 is actually only one Greek word. I think that's very telling. It's not the phrase that we have. It's just one Greek word. It is the word that we have for evangelize. And so they are coming and they are evangelizing. He is going back and he is evangelizing. Today, sometimes we think, well, that's not a good thing. Well, that's a pressure tactic. Listen, the charge of the church, they were evangelizing. The word translates out of the original language. The word means, listen to this, to bring good news. Another translation to proclaim good tidings, or most literal, to preach the gospel, the good news. Man, I, I want us to get this today, and I, I think especially today, we need to understand this. Listen very carefully. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have good news. Do you understand that, man? What about this virus? What about this stuff? What about the racial stuff? What about the political stuff? What about the division going on? What about the economy that's going down? What about the hard things that we're facing? What about all the gossip and the slander that we hear every day? Listen, in the church of Jesus Christ, we have good news. We do not need to be timid about that. We don't need to be solid about that. We possess good news. Friends, I think we are forgetting that today where the world has no hope. Listen, we have hope in Jesus Christ where the world can't find or produce any sort of peace. We have peace in Jesus Christ where the world is hurting and perishing and coming undone at the seams. We have life in Jesus Christ. Man, we ought to start saying that. We have good news. Listen, there's good news. Today, there's good news in Jesus. There's the forgiveness for your sin. I don't know what better news there is. In Jesus, there's restoration with the Holy God. In Jesus, listen, our best days are yet ahead. Our future is glorious. We have good news in the church today. We have good news in the gospel today. We have good news. Now, I want you to look at their example. They are going about proclaiming good news. You know what? Stephen's been killed. You know what? Persecution's broken out. You know what? They've been run out of town. Some of their property rights have been taken away. They've been disgraced. Some of their families have disowned them. And they go walking about, marching about, proclaiming the good news of a Savior in Jesus Christ. Listen very carefully. The commission to the church in Acts chapter 1 has become the charge of the church by the time they reach Acts chapter 8. I thought this was interesting. God is, God is very, very awesome in his timing and how specific he is. Do you remember the Great Commission? And even to the ends of the earth, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. I thought this was interesting. Ethiopia, it's not the country that we consider Ethiopia today. It was a kingdom that was south of Egypt. And so you pass all the way through the, the, the kingdom of Egypt and you get out to this other kingdom, Ethiopia. It was the farthest spot that they knew was inhabited. It was the farthest part that they knew was civilized. And guess what they considered Ethiopia? 
the ends of the earth. And even to the ends of the earth, listen, it didn't take that long, did it? Even to the ends of the earth, we're going to share good news. All right, that's the first thing. Second thing we're going to consider today is the condition of the eunuch. The condition of the eunuch. First, the charge of the church. Second, the condition of the eunuch. Verse 27, verse 28. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship. Verse 28, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now the Bible tells us of this guy that he was part of the queen's cabinet, queen of Ethiopia, this vast kingdom. He was part of her cabinet. He was over all of her treasure. We would call him the, 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 the nation's treasurer, maybe the, the secretary of finance. He was over all of the money, all of the treasure of the kingdom. Listen, that is a powerful position. He is over all of the wealth of the kingdom. He had power, this guy. He had prestige, this guy. He had all the prestige. He had the position. He's over all of the treasury of the nation. This guy was a big deal. Now, most likely historians tell us that this would have been an entourage. It would have been a great caravan. This is a, a man of position, a man of wealth. And so he comes, and it wouldn't just been this rackety, ratchety chariot going down. It was an entourage, and there would have been horses, and there would have been camels, and there would have been people all around him, and he's made his way to Jerusalem. Now, the Bible says that he had come there to worship. That's a strange thing, because he's from a pagan land. In that pagan land, they worshiped the queen, just like... The Romans thought Caesar was part God or was God. In the same way, these Ethiopians thought that the queen also was deity. So they worshipped the queen, but not only that, they also worshipped a host of other false gods as well. This is where this guy's from, where they worshipped the queen. They worshipped the false gods, and somehow he has heard of the God of Israel. Now, it doesn't say how he's heard that, and, and he's seen the evidence of a creator God, and somehow he's heard the, the truth of the God of Israel, and so he's made the trip to worship this God. Now what you see there, right there, he was seeking the truth. He was seeking, honestly, listen, to know God. You know, I hear the one true God, and I, I, we've got these gods around here, and I see how this plays out, and I see really that as much as we'd like to put our hope in them, not, there's not hope there. And so he has made the trip, and he is seeking to know God. On the return trip, going home, the Bible says he has secured a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He's secured the book of Isaiah. He has that scroll, and so now he's been there, and he's worshiping, he's making his way home, and there laying in his lap is the scroll of Isaiah. And he is reading the scroll as he goes home. And so understand, here is this man. And his life by all outward appearances is a grand life. This guy has an awesome life. He has much power. He has prestige. And then we see he's looking for something. So much so that he's traveled all this way. So much so that he's made this long trip. 
So much so that he now has the book of Isaiah spread in his lap. And his condition as he is going home, listen, he hasn't found it. His condition is he is still lost. He is still looking. That's why he's pouring over this scroll. Let me tell you something. I believe most people are looking for something. And I believe that they may be mean and they may be this and they may, they may act one way, but I, I believe if you can get to the core of most people, they are looking for something. They're looking for a meaning in life. Oh, surely tell me it's more than just paying bills. They're looking for a purpose in life. Oh, I want to get up with a spring in my step and I want to do something that matters. They're looking for a hope and they look around and the grave is never full and they see cancer and, and all those things going on and they can't find any hope and they're saying, oh, somebody tell me something that's going to last and they're looking for hope. Let me tell you what they're looking for. They're looking for God. I'll tell you that some of the sinful things people do, some of the sorry and shameful things people do, some of the meanest things people do is because they're looking for God. They may not know how to express it. They may not know how to put it in those words, but they sit in their soul. They know something's wrong. Something is not right. And they're looking for God. You know what we ought to do? We ought to be aware of that. We ought, we ought to not be so fast to, to stomp on people and jump on people. We ought to say what they're looking for something. They're looking for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, maybe you're here today and you're looking for something. Maybe you're here today and you're looking for a hope, for a purpose, for peace. Peace that you can sleep at night. Peace that there will be a joy settled in your heart. Maybe you're here today and you're looking for something. So the second thing to consider here is the condition of the unit. I don't know that I've ever thought that deeply about his condition. The second thing we see is the condition of the unit. All right, the third thing to consider is this. The third thing to consider is the consternation of his condition. All right, follow with me. It's going to get kind of tricky here. The third thing to consider is the consternation of his condition. Now, keep listening. See this. It's important. This man is from a pagan land. He's not a Jew. This man is a foreigner. He's a foreigner. He's rich, yes, but he's a foreigner. This man is a eunuch. The book of Leviticus, the Levitical law says, you know what, I'm a eunuch? He is not allowed in the temple. And so he could travel all the way, but you know what he couldn't do? He could not go in the temple. And he could have come, and his heart could have been pure. Oh, that he could get in there and somehow meet God, somehow know God. But when he got to the temple, because of his condition, he couldn't go into the temple. He is lost. He is looking for hope. He's looking to know God. He has God's Word laid out there on his lap. And he's searching for God. But I want you to listen. The consternation of his condition is he could travel and go to the temple, but he couldn't enter in. He could fear God. That's what he was known as, as a God fear. But he could never really know God. He could even hold God's word in his lap. But out of context, he couldn't understand what it was saying. Do you see this? Do you see where it's going? He needed Jesus. Wow, he needed Jesus. His hope, he went looking for him. His hope was going to be in Jesus. It wasn't that he would get into the temple. 
His hope was that he would have a relationship with the Holy God. His hope was Jesus. He knew there was a God. He came to worship Him. But in his condition, he's cut off. He's, in his condition, he's outside. He needed Jesus. Be sure and see today. That's pretty plain for us to see about him. But you know, that's the reality of all of us. I see that God say, when he can afford her. I see that God, his condition, he's not going to the temple. I see that God, he can't understand the book of Isaiah outside of its context. And I say, what well, he, he needs Jesus. That's his lost condition. Do you understand? That's the reality of all of us. Listen, friend, we are cut off in our sin. We're cut off in our sin. We're outside in our rebellion. We are lost. We are separated from God. Listen, the truth of all people is we need Jesus. We need a Savior. I thought about this guy. Do you know how frustrating this must have been? He packs up and he makes that journey, he makes that trip, and they get there and they, they move and they get there and find out, well, you're not even going to be able to go into that place. And hey, I came here to, to worship God. I came here to know the, the God that you worship, and he's not able to go in. Do you know how frustrating that must have been? Do you know how frustrating it must have been as he got ready to leave and he loaded up his stuff and somehow he gets a, a, a copy of the book of Isaiah and he spreads it in his lap and he says, I believe there's a God. I know there's got to be a purpose and a hope. But you know what? I didn't find him here. Nobody told me about him here. And I've got this scroll, this scroll here and I can't even understand what it's saying. Do you know how frustrating that must have been as he turns and goes home? Here's the good news. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, God says this, listen, if you will seek me, you will find me. God's grace, God's power. If you will seek me, you will find me. And listen, friend, that takes us to the fourth point to consider in this account. And that is this, his convergence with the charge. Remember the charge, the first part? Now we see his convergence with the charge. Now this is good. Now if you've gone to sleep, wake up. You want to hear the rest of this. I want you to see this. I, I sit here and go, man, our God is awesome. Our God is awesome. Our God is awesome. Here's this man. And he's got all the stuff this world can give him. He's got all the position he can, he can have. And here's this man, and he knows there's a God out there, and he wants to know him, and he is looking for God. He's looking for the truth of God. He's looking for hope in that God. He wants to know the God that created him. He's looking for God. And then listen to this. And at the same time, there's this people. And you know what? They've been persecuted, and they've been pushed out of town, but you know what they do? They go around, they tell people about that hope. They go around, they tell people, preaching the good news of the gospel, evangelizing, telling how to have peace with God. And so on one hand, you've got this guy, and he's looking for hope, and, and God's great power, there's this people, and they go around preaching about the hope we have in Jesus Christ. And listen to me, friend, in God's great grace, they are about to meet up. In God's great love, these two folks, they're about to have a convergence. Listen to this. Watch this. But 
to Philip, saying, Get up and go south to the road that descends. It's leaving out of Jerusalem, going south from Jerusalem to Gaza. This guy's going back to Egypt, going to Ethiopia. This is a desert road. Verse 27, first part of the verse. So he got up and went. And there was an Ethiopian eunuch. Verse 29. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. He sees the honorabs heading home. And he sees the chariot. And the Spirit says to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. Verse 30. First part of the verse. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. I want you to see two things about this meeting. First thing, that's, man, it's important, is I want you to see how it happened. Two things. First is this. See how it happened. It was led by God. And I think we can take confidence in that. It was led by God. The Spirit of God directed it. The Spirit of God, look at the account, set it up. The Holy Spirit tells Philip, you know what, go south and get ready and go. Folks, I want you to be sure of this. Listen very carefully. God enables the work of evangelism. Wow, we don't talk about that. I'm about to talk about it. God enables the work of evangelism. God empowers, I know it, the work of evangelism. You see, God loved this guy. And, and he, he made a promise, if you seek me, you'll find me. And he came looking for him. God knew the need of this guy. Do you see that? God knew the need of this guy. And so God set it up. Now, I want you to notice something else here, however. However, listen. This is speaking to us today. It also required obedience. You see, sometimes we forget that. It required obedience. God directed it. God set it up. But I want you to understand this. Philip had to go. Philip had to be obedient. And I love this account. Praise the Lord. Because not only does he go, not only does he say, well, we're almost back to Jerusalem. I've been on a trip going up to Samaria. I'm ready to get home. He goes. The Bible says when he gets close, you know what he does? He runs to the chariot. He doesn't say, man, I don't know who's in that thing. I don't know what army's in that thing. I don't know if they'll rob me or kill me when I get there. He runs to the chariot. Folks, we can't miss this today. We can't miss it. God is looking for obedience in this matter. God is looking for obedience when it comes to evangelism. God works through obedience when it comes to this matter. Listen, I've seen it. Yes, He directs it. Yes, He empowers it. Yes, He makes things ready. Yes, He is mighty to save. Yes, it's in His power and in His grace. But he works through people who are obedient to the commission and they make the commission their charge. That's why he gives us the great commission. That's why we have Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Well, you know what? He's going to take care of that. He'll do it. No. He tells us, go. Do you see how many times he says, beat the bushes, compel them, beg them. Paul says, persuade them. Paul says, be an ambassador. We have to be obedient to the commission to the point that we make it our charge. This hit me yesterday, and I, I remember this, and I'm so dumb I forget this. Let me tell you something. Let me tell me something while I'm doing it. If you want to see God work, 
And we sit around a lot of times and say, man, I'd like to see God work. I'd like to see him work. I never have seen a Red Sea park walked on and drive. Man, I'd like to see that. If you want to see God work, if you want to see God's power on display, look, I can see some of your faces. We know what he's talking about. If you, if you want to see lives change and you want to see marvelous things and you want to see people, people walking in, in, in power and seeing the power of the Holy Spirit, if you want to see a movement of God, let a people get obedient to the call to spread the good news of Jesus Christ and God will work. It will happen. Man, we've lost that in the church today. Listen, you want to see a movement of God? Don't sit here and try to burn smoke. Don't sit here and try to stare at the sun. You go out and tell folks about Jesus Christ, and God will move. He blesses obedience in this matter. And that's the first part of this convergence, how it happened. God directed it. It was, it was, it was honored in obedience. Now, the second part is this. See what happens here. Let me read verses 30 through 34. Philip ran up. Philip's crazy. He ran up. And he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And he said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, well, how could I? Unless someone guides me. And he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. You come up here and sit with me. Now, the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, as a lamb before a shearer is silent, Isaiah chapter 53. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. Verse 34. The eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does this prophet say this? Of himself or of someone else. If y'all read the book of Isaiah, it's pretty hard. The book of Isaiah is pretty hard. And in these verses, it's talking about a lamb. And, 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 and when you read the verses, here's the debate. Is it talking about Israel? Maybe Israel's the lamb. Is it talking about Isaiah? Maybe Isaiah the prophet speaking. So maybe he's speaking about himself. He's talking about himself as the prophet. Or maybe he's speaking of someone else. Is that what he's doing? He's speaking of someone else. Now let me just tell you, the Jews would actually debate these verses. And they would say, well, it's Israel. It's talking about Israel. Well, no, it's the prophet. It's talking about the prophet. And so the guy taps in very quickly and says, I'm not sure who this is talking to. I'm not sure what this is talking about. I bet this is where this whole thing gets pretty awesome to me. I bet Philip about jumped out that way. And let me explain that to you. I, I, about, I bet he, he said, well, tell me who this is talking about. I bet Philip about jumped out of that wagon because he knew the lamb he was talking about. And I think he says, oh, I've been looking and I've come this way and I've made this journey. And I'd like to know the living God, but I'm not sure. And I'm sitting here and I'm reading this book, this book of Isaiah, and I'm not sure. And, and you know what? Philip's there, and he knows the Lamb that it's talking about. He knows it's the Lamb of God that was promised. He knows it's the Messiah. He knows it's the Christ. He knows it's the Savior that's sent from God. He knows the Lamb that it's talking about. He knows that Lamb is going to carry the shame of a sinner far away. He knows it's going to carry the sin of a sinner far away. He knows the Lamb is going to go to the cross, and he's going to die in the step of sinners and he's going to pay 
pay for sin. He knows the Lamb which taketh away the sins of the world. And so I bet he about jumps out of that wagon. Woo! I know that Lamb. His name is Jesus. I don't know how he takes it, but he knew the Lamb. And so the Bible says he takes the whole, oh, you got my favorite subject. Oh, you're talking about what I want to talk about. And he starts with those verses. Let me talk to you about a suffering servant. Let me talk to you about one who is despised and esteemed of no worth. Let me tell you about one by through his stripes and through his transgressions we are healed. But look, let me stop right there. Let me go back to Genesis. Let me tell you about a creator. Let me tell you about a promise made to Eve that, that a descendant of hers would step on the serpent's head. And he starts to work his way through all the subject of Scripture. And he explains the Lamb, Jesus. He says to this guy, you wanted to worship, that was right. Let me tell you who we worship. He says, you want to know who the Lamb is? That's right. Let me tell you who the Lamb is. And he uses the Scriptures to tell him of Jesus. Folks, I, 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 want, to, I want to scream this today. Do you understand that's the message of Scripture? Do you understand that's the message of Scripture? From Genesis all the way to Isaiah that's hard to understand, all the way to Revelation. That is the message of Scripture Jesus Christ, His death and His burial and His resurrection as the remedy for sinners. That is the message of Scripture. Get that today. That is why we have to be serious about Scripture in the church. Why we build a church upon the Scripture is because Jesus is the message of Scripture. That's why we have to know and to understand and to study and to uphold and to defend and to be saturated with the Scriptures in the church. Listen, that's why we as believers have to be consumed with the Scriptures because it tells us of Jesus. Tell me the story of Jesus. Right on my heart every word. Tell me the story most precious, sweetest that ever was heard. Wow, that's our hymn. That's what just happened. Tell me the story of Jesus. Who is this lamb? And he unfolds scripture and he tells him of Jesus. Let me ask you this. What if he didn't run to the chariot? What if you weren't obedient? Well, I got every reason. Not to go. I'll catch the next one. God will send somebody else. If he doesn't send me, I don't know how he works. He'll send somebody else. What if you weren't obedient? Let me ask you this one. What if he didn't know who the lamb was when he got to the chariot? And the guy said, hey, help me here with Isaiah 53. And he said, oh, I'm not familiar with that. Oh, you know what? That's not my deal. That's somebody else's deal. I, I, I don't concern myself with that. I, I'm not able to understand that. I'm not able to tell you who that lamb is. Let me see if I can find somebody. Or maybe I'll pray you find somebody down the road. What if he didn't know how to tell him who Jesus was according to the Scriptures? And so we see the convergence of the church. A man looking for hope ran across a people who preached and that brings us to the fourth piece. Fourth thing to see in this story, the fourth, fifth thing is this. Now stay with me, listen very carefully. The culmination of this convergence 
is the confession of his conversion. That's a lot of seeds in there. The culmination of his conversions is the confession of his conversion. That's the fifth thing. The fifth thing is the confirmation, the confession of his conversion. You see on this, on this little wagon ride from this short distance, Philip takes the scripture and he explains Christ Jesus. And you know the good thing about Philip is he can say, well, he's my Savior. He's my Lord. And I'm a sinner just like you, and outside of him I have no hope. And Philip explains to him what a saving faith is. It's not just information, but it's your response to the truth of a Savior. And evidently on this trip, he explains about baptism. I love that. He explains it all. He talks to him about baptism. He says, you know, it's a demonstration of what we believe. It's, it's, it's a demonstration, a testimony of what we believe. And it shows the faith that we have. And it's a picture of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. They both go down in the water. It's not a sprinkling. He says it's a picture of what it is that we believe. And he explains the truth of baptism. It doesn't save you, friend. But it's an outward expression of what we have trusted. And as they roll along, as they make their way down this desert road, as they bump through that dust and, the, and, the, and those rocks on that journey, as they go, and as, and as Philip has explained the glorious truth of the gospel of Jesus, this man, he looks out as they draw to the low spot. Maybe there's a stream, a brook that is running there. Maybe it's full from the, from the recent rains. And as this man has heard the truth of the gospel, now, as he's explained to him the Lamb of God, he looks out of his little chariot there and he says, Look! There is water. There is water. I believe what would keep me, what would hinder me from being baptized. Oh, if this is how we testify, I want to testify. And the man says here in this demonstration, he is saved by his faith. He is right with God. He has found what he's looking for. He has peace that I wonder. He has hope that outlasts the grave. And he says, there is water. What would hinder me? What would stop me from being baptized? Verse 38. I don't know the chariots have brakes, but here's what happens. And he ordered the chariot to stop. Stop this thing. And they both went down into the water. Philip as well as the eunuch. Philip has to be beside himself. He's heard the good news. He's, they're seeing the fruit of preaching the gospel. And they both go down. And what does it say? And he baptized him. Here's water still. What hinders you from being baptized? Ooh, he baptized him. Verse 39. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. I don't, I don't know how to explain that except he snatched him away. And the eunuch no longer saw him. He's gone. But you know what he does? But he went on his way rejoicing. <coughs> Mission accomplished. He came to know God. Guess what? He's going home. He knows God. He came. He's looking for hope. He's looking for purpose. You know what? He goes home and he's found in the person of Jesus Christ. He leaves. The Bible says he kept on rejoicing. You know what this world needs? Joy. You know what this world needs? The truth. The point of this story, you know what this world needs? Jesus. 
And you know what this world needs? A church committed to preaching the good news and the hope we have in Jesus. Man, what's wrong with this world? I'm going to tell you what's wrong with the church going silent. What's wrong with this world church is decided to take up a different message than the one that, that proclaims peace and good news in Jesus. The world needs a church that proclaims the good news of Jesus. Friends, let us be that church. Let's pray. Every Father, we come. And I am so thankful Today you reminded me and you reminded us. No distance is too far, no sin is too great. Your grace is tremendous. Your mercy is astounding. Your love is shown in the person, the work finished in Jesus. And if we will turn, if we will repent, if we will trust, we will be saved. Lord, I'm thankful for this Ethiopian youth who went home rejoicing, saved, and trust in Jesus. Lord, I pray for several things right now. I pray for one here that doesn't know you. I pray that today, in the hearing of the gospel, today they would trust you. If they're here, they haven't, they haven't, they haven't found peace because they've looked at the wrong places. If they're carrying the heavy weight of their sin. They're tired of it. They're crushed under it. I pray that today they would turn to Jesus. Lord, I pray that any barrier be removed. I pray that today will be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray for us, us here that do know Christ. I pray that we would no longer be distracted, that we would no longer be disturbed, that we would no longer be pulled in other directions, that we would be so neglectful not to tell the world that there is good news and it exists today. We would proclaim the hope of Jesus. Use us for that, Lord. Shape us for that. Empower us for that. Lord, I pray that in every piece of this, the same Savior that Isaiah wrote about, suffering service by, suffering by whose stripes we are healed, the same Savior that this unique family, the same Savior that commissioned and sent Philip, the same Savior that we have trusted for our salvation will be glorified today. Lord, praise the name of Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. I mean, we're going to...